welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game, and occasionally a 7800 game, and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill, this is episode 137. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. I am recording this episode on Labor Day. I am laboring on this day of honoring labor to provide this thing for you. You're welcome. Uh, I hope everybody else had a relaxing Labor Day and that you have fully recovered by the time this episode comes out. If you have not recovered from Labor Day by the time this episode comes out, or by the time you're hearing it sometime after the day that this comes out, well, clearly you did Labor Day correctly, so hats off to you. So what's new, everybody? Let's start things off the way we have become accustomed on Atari Bytes. Hit it, Mike Man. Gonna prove that the world is flat in his rocket ship. Or else he'll go splat. He's Mad Mike Hughes. Mad Mike Hughes. A couple days ago, as this episode is being recorded, Mad Mike posted on his Facebook page a trailer for the new documentary that he's been blabbing about. Please like the Rocket Man page for updates. Well, heck, I'll do that right now. Alright, I did that. I like the Rocket Man page. The image on the page, the top of the page, is kind of cool. Totally scientifically inaccurate, but it shows the flat earth with uh, icicles hanging off. That's pretty cool. So, we have a trailer. I have not watched this yet. I'm looking at it right now with no sound. I think we've seen this before. We see the rocket that he built with cuts to a newscaster, pseudo-newscaster. I don't know if it's a real newscaster or not. Now we see Mad Mike strapped into this rocket. And the screen goes black. Now we see the sun rising. Crane lifting the rocket into place. There's Mad Mike himself talking to somebody. And there's uh, that same graphic with the flat earth and the icicles. Now we see uh, somebody welding something onto a rocket. Now we see the sun going in front of the moon, I guess. Now some dude with binoculars. Now they're out in the desert. Oh, now they're launching a rocket. Now there's some guy who I can't hear, but I assume he's saying something like, That guy's effing crazy. Now we see Mad Mike in a flight suit, zipping up his flight suit, already, putting on his helmet. Yeah, that's going to help you if you crash in a rocket. Now we see Mad Mike riding in a car. Now we see a red rocket. The heck? Now it's green. This is fascinating, even without the sound. So there you go. This documentary about this rocket that he's building that he hasn't actually done anything with yet. I'm not really sure what the uh, point of the documentary is, but alright. There was supposed to be, there was supposed to have been a live stream at 7 p.m. on August 30th. I totally missed that because I didn't check in with Mad Mike over the weekend. I was busy not laboring uh, in preparation for laboring today. He was on something called the Tosh Show on August 29th that aired on Comedy Central. Will era, oh, is he talking about Daniel Tosh? He's going to be on that show. Apparently it's going to be on in a couple of weeks. So if you guys, I'm not a Daniel Tosh fan, but if any of you guys are and you see that on Comedy Central here in a couple of weeks, let me know. There's a book. I didn't know about the book. Is this new? He posted on August 28th. The book, which apparently is called Mad Mike Hughes, The Tell-All Tale, goes on sale on Wednesday, which I guess would be this week, on Amazon. Well, here, let me go to Amazon. Okay, yeah, so he posted before that. The biography will be out this week, filming Wednesday at Comedy Central. He also signed with a production company to help with a program about amateur space. Uh, amateur space travel for a major network. And as you know, he's still working on the stunt bunny. Let me go look for that book on Amazon. Free plug for Amazon. They need my help. Oh, there it is. 
Mad Might Hughes, The Tell All Tale by Mad by, by Might Hughes. Paperback, ten bucks. It qualifies for Amazon Prime, so you don't have to pay shipping. You can also get it on ooh, you can get it on Kindle for four bucks. Hey. I wasn't in for ten. But four bucks? Let's see, what's the description? In Mad Might Hughes, the tell all tale, you learn about might learn about might. I keep I can't resist adding a mic in front of adding a mad in front of Mike. Uh, you learn about Mike in his own words and by his own actions. He has made multiple death-defying steam-powered rocket jumps on his path to the greatest dot 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 uh, the greatest daredevil stunt ever conceived. A solo flight to the edge of outer space where he believes he will be able to take a picture of the entire Earth as a flat disk. I like how the description says where he believes he'll be able to do that. Not just flat out where he will do that. A little bit of wiggle room there. Hmm. Should I do it or not? Four bucks, huh? Alright, I'm doing it. And it is done. You heard it here first, folks. I just gave Mad Mike Hughes money. Wow. I must really like you people. If any of you reads this biography before I do, because I can assure you, even though it's on my uh, listening device, I'm not going to go like right now and read it. Mostly because as soon as I'm done recording this, I'm going to go call, go watch uh, Lodge 49. Or is it just called The Lodge? And then I'm going to watch Better Call Saul. Alright. And thus concludes a $4 segment of the Mad My Tears update. Gonna prove that the world is flat in his rocket ship or else he'll go splat he's mad mac hughes mad mac hughes so what else is new oh this was nerdy deliciousness uh some of you know i'm a huge doctor who fan i'm also a star wars fan perhaps not as rapidly but i do enjoy my star wars so i was excited when i heard that in the upcoming installment Star Wars Episode Nine. Good God, are they making another movie? Or whatever the subtitle is. I don't remember what the subtitle is, but it's Episode Nine. They have cast Matt Smith in a, reportedly, pivotal role. Or prominent role. One of those P roles. I don't know. Uh, no word if he's a good guy or a bad guy, or what his name is, or what he's going to do or anything. But he's going to be in the movie. And, oh, by the way, who's Matt Smith, you might ask? Well, if you're a Doctor Who fan like me, you already know. Matt Smith played the 11th Doctor, possibly the Doctor most responsible for making new Doctor Who popular in the United States. Arguably, it was David Tennant, the 10th Doctor, but it was really with the era of Matt Smith's Doctor that really helped the show take off in the United States. The the new Who that started in 2005, not the classic stuff from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. So I'm excited to see what Matt Smith can do in the Star Wars universe. Don't worry, he's not going to be playing the Doctor or anything. He'll have a Star Warsian role, and I'm curious to see what that is. What else? We got a little bit of feedback before I get onto the episode. Bug just walked in to hack up a lung. I don't know if that picked up on the mic or not. Thanks, Bug. Jim Fullerton on uh, Twitter, at Yingsy, commented that Henry, my occasional co-host, on an awesome on an awesomeness scale of one to fi- uh, of one to five, Henry gets a ten. This was in response to Jeff Fulton, 8-Bit Rocket, commenting that, uh, regarding episode 135 specifically, Warplock, he commented, quote, I hate Warplock, but Henry was on fire in this episode, and also praised uh, the fact that Henry was so gleeful at beating me in real time. He uh, sat there as he played 
for the first time, played the game that I was playing for that show and beat the score that I had gotten before I started recording. So, yeah, as usual, Henry gets more fan mail than I do. Well, guess what, suckers? He's not on this week. Haha! That doesn't sound jealous at all, does it? Alright, moving on. Uh, don't worry, Henry will be back before you know it. Alright, well, that's all the news that's fit to read this week. Let's get on to this week's game. And that sound means uh, we're jumping into the time vortex once again to travel to the Atari future. Because this week we're playing Galaga from Namco for the 7800, the 1987 port. For those of you keeping track at home, I previously did Galaxian in episode 50. If you would like to go back and listen to that one, since Galaxian and Galaga are of a piece, uh, feel free to do that. If you don't remember episode 50... Go listen to it again. You won't be disappointed. So, in the manual, we get the germ of a story. Because we're told, you're under attack. The Galligans are reclaiming planets they lost during a centuries-old interstellar war. And now they want yours. And you're ready to fight to the bitter end to protect it. So you join the intergalactic warrior fleet. Without training, you're assigned to your first combat mission. Well, see, that just seems like bad training. Bad command decisions there. Why do you, uh, you know, have these new recruits and you don't train them? That's just pitiful. So you're assigned to your first combat mission, and on the job is the only way to learn. Shaking in your boots, you accept the assignment and board your intergalactic command ship. Not only are you inadequately trained by this fleet, they don't give you boots that fit. If you can shake in them, they are clearly not ergonomically correct. What's the term for your shoes when they don't fit directly? I don't know. Whatever that term is, that's clearly what's going on here. So we insert the Gallic cartridge into the 7800, plug in a controller... There are three difficulty levels, Novice, Advanced, or Expert. Press the reset to start the game, press the controller button to fire intergalactic missiles, hold down the button to rapid fire. You start the game with four command ships, one at the line of battle and the others in reserve at the bottom of the screen. Slide your command ship right and left to dodge the Galligan fire. Okay, let me just say right now, I'm typically going to say Galaga. I realize there's a school of thought that says it's pronounced Galaga. I'm going with Galaga. So if you don't like that, well, just when you hear me say Galaga, Hit the pause button and say Galaga, if you prefer. So, slide your command ship right and left to dodge the Galligan fire. At the same time, fire any Galactic missiles to protect your ship. You lose a ship when it is hit by a Galligan missile or collides with the enemy. Galligans attack in a series of waves, each fiercer than the one before. Waves are identified with numbers at the lower right of the screen. The number of ships you have in reserve is shown at the lower left. Galligan flagships never fly alone. They are always flanked by protective escorts in colorful... Well, the suspense is killing me. In color for what? What is it? Uniforms. Thank you. Escort rank is easy, easy to identify. Drones in the lowest rank wear blue. Hornets in, are outfitted in red. And flagship commanders, the highest rank, wear yellow. The Galligan invasion starts off with a bang. An entire fleet of invaders begins flying in formation, then instantly plunges towards you, bombarding your ship, then rushing back to the lineup. That is, if you don't shoot them first. The Galligans attack faster and faster with each wave. They swoop, uh, they swoop downward, firing laser cannons. They charge in single file or blitz in groups. The enemy's special radar lets them dodge your intergalactic missiles. They use tricks to divert your attention. The ability to pull off unexpected maneuvers forces you to quickly learn caution, cunning, and skill. You throw out the initial attack, but the battle isn't over. The Galligans will be back, stronger than ever. And you'll be waiting. The longer you survive, the more surprises you're in for. 
to win, use your accurate aim and quick reflexes. Plan your strategy, think ahead. A foolish move could cost you the battle and the planet. No pressure there. I went through that really fast. It's pretty intuitive what you're supposed to do. You just start the game and you pretty much know. But it's nice of them to explain about the ranks. That's kind of cool. The escort rank, the drones, the hornets, the flagship commanders, all that. That's kind of cool. Because otherwise you just look at the screen and think, oh, those are pretty. Alright, strategy. Try a few games at the novice level first while you're learning to play. This helps you develop skill and strategy. When Galligan flagships are hit the first time, they turn blue. If hit a second time, they explode. Galligan flagships deploy blue macro beams that can capture your command ship. To rescue the hostage, hit the flagship only while it's attacking. Alright, let me hold on there for a minute. Galligan flagships deploy blue macro beams that can capture your command ship. Okay. To rescue the hostage, hit the flagship only while it's attacking, or you will destroy your own ship as well. Okay. Because I got captured once while I was playing to get ready for the podcast today. Kind of forgetting what to do. And he just ended up capturing me. It was unpleasant. Uh, once you regain your ship, you'll have two ships moving and firing in sync. Yeah, see, I totally missed that. I'll have to go back and play some more. When a Galligan flagship is destroyed in flight, the rest of the fleet stops firing for a few seconds of mourning. Move in quickly to blast the escorts before they can retaliate. Those morning ships just blast them out of the sky, basically. After two waves of attack, then after every third wave, you face a challenging stage. Five groups of eight ships fly in various attack patterns. Shoot as many ships as you can before the ships leave. Hit all 40 for 10,000 bonus points. Always have a strategical escape planned to avoid patterns of enemy missile attacks. Scan the screen and think fast so uh, to outsmart the Galligan fleet. Scoring ranges anywhere from zero points if you hit flagship's first hit in line. Second and more gets you 150 points. Hornets lined up get you 80. Attacking 160. Drones lined up get you 50. Attacking 100. Destroying a flagship in flight earns bonus points. Flagships with two escorts, 1600. Flagships with one escort, 800. Flagships with no escorts, 400. Challenging stages also earn bonus points. Bonus for destroying groups of eight ships, 1,000 to 3,000. Bonus for destroying all 40 ships, 10,000. Bonus for destroying less than 40 ships, 100 points per ship. Wow. So if you get all 40, you get 10,000 points. But if you destroy anything less than 40, like even if it's like 39, you only get 100 points per. That seems kind of cheap. Kind of stingy there with the points, Namco. Oh well. It's still fun. I got no real complaints with this game. Spoiler. For those of you who don't recall, Namco's first original video game was GB from 1978. Pac-Man in 1980 became definitive of Namco's legacy and became a fixture in pop culture. We all know that. Galaga came around in 1981 as a follow-up to Galaxian. And as I said earlier, I talked about Galaxian in episode 50. Galaga was the, one of the most successful sequels of the era. Dig Dug followed in 82, Xevious also in 82. Coincidentally, I picked up an Xevious cartridge a while back, and I've been trying to get it worked. I tried it again tonight in my 7800, and it still isn't working. I tried cleaning the, uh, uh, you know, getting the alcohol out and, and cleaning it up, but it's still not working. I'm very disappointed. I'm hoping, I'm still hopeful that I can get it to work. But that doesn't really have anything to do with this episode. So yeah, Xevious. Uh, by the way, I'm not sure that you, that's how you say it, but that's how I'm saying it. In 82, pole position in, also in 82, uh, and they continued Namco's success in establishing iconic franchises during the Golden Age. During this period, Namco published video games for home consoles and personal computers under the name, under the Namcot brand name. Galaga itself is one of the most commercially and critically successful games for the Golden Age, from the Golden Age of arcade video games, 
has been ported to many consoles and has had several sequels. In 2011, it celebrated its 30th anniversary with the release of Galaga 30th Collection for iOS. We got Galaxian, Galaga, Gapless, Galaga 88, Galaga 90, Galaxian uh, from 1990, Galaga 2, a re-release of Galaga 88 for the Game Gear, which is called Galaga 91 in Japan, Attack of the Zolgear, Galaga Arrangement, Galaga Arrangement, uh, first one was Galaga Arrangement 1995, Galaga Arrangement 2005, Galaga Remix in 2007, Galaga Legions in 2008, Galaga Remix 2009, Galaga Special Edition 2010, the 30th Collection in 2011, which I mentioned, Galaga Legions DX 2011, Galaga 3D Impact, Sounds kind of cool. In 2011, Space Galaga, which seems a little redundant, but all right. In 2014, Galaga Tekken Edition in 2015, Galaga Assault in uh, 2016, and Galaga Wars in, also in 2016. Cover art for the Atari 7800 Galaga, released in 87, as we know. Cover art was by Mark Erickson. It's also been released for the Famicom Disk System, Game Boy, Game Tap, MSX, Famicom, NES, SG-1000, Plug and Play, Custom Arcade Machines, Xbox Live, iOS, Nintendo 3DS, PlayStation 4, on and on. Name a system, you can probably get Galaga for it. All game rated the arcade version 5 out of 5. NES version got a score of 80% from Joystick upon release and later 8 out of 10 from GameSpy. In 96, Next Generation listed the arcade version at number 96 in their top 100 games of all time, citing the innovations it added to Space Invaders formula. In particular, the ships can be captured and rescued, and players can gain two simultaneous shots. According to Wikipedia, the world record highest score for Galaga was set in June of 89 by Stephen Krogman of Boca Raton, Florida, with a score of 15,999,990 points based on marathon settings. On April 29, 2018, according to this, Armando Gonzalez of Los Angeles achieved a world record high score of 56,490 points on the much harder tournament settings. The rapid-fire settings world record is held by John E. Klinkle of Battle Creek, Michigan, with a world record high score of 3,210,590 points. That information might be outdated by now, but that's what Wikipedia says. In 2001, Namco released Ms. Pac-Man Galaga Class of 81 as part of a compilation. The world record highest score for Galaga based on the fast shoot speed settings is held by Daniel Rodriguez of Hialeah, uh, Florida with uh, 4,300,360 points. Huh. Fun fact. In 83, after Galaga was released in the U.S., MGM sent a Galaga machine to Matthew Broderick for him to practice prior to shooting the movie War Games. He practiced for two months and the Galaga arcade unit makes two appearances in the film. Yeah, I'd forgotten that. That's kind of cool. In Lost, the TV show, in 2007, there was a submarine named Galaga in honor of the game, because the writers would often play the game between writing sessions. Hallmark Reading Cards in 2009 released a Christmas tree ornament shaped like a Galaga arcade machine. The TV show Once Upon a Time shows a character Henry Mills playing Galaga in an arcade on episode 15 of season 7, Sisterhood, released on the 30th of May 2018. Galaga appeared as we know in War Games, The Karate Kid, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I think I mentioned that around Thanksgiving in, whatever, in one of those episodes because I'd been watching Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. It's also in the movie Pixels, which I still haven't seen. Galaga appeared briefly in 2012's The Avengers. Upon entering S.H.I.E.L.D.'s helicarrier, Tony Stark catches an agent playing Galaga and remarks, that man is playing Galaga. Thought we wouldn't notice, but we did. After the Avengers team meeting, the agent returns to his game. I mentioned last week 
that Robert Orsi will produce an anime television series entitled Galaga Chronicles. Shadow Machine will handle the animation, while Orsi will write the pilot and steer the concept before handing it off to other writers. And just to let you guys know, just a reminder from last week, I'm still available. If you want to come on the podcast and talk to me, that's great. If you also want to hire me to write some episodes, I'm your man. It's what I do every week here on the podcast. So, you know, let's do lunch. 8-Bit Central, quote, adores Galaga with savage passion. It's one of those magical games that appealed to me both in the arcade and on home consoles. It does note that perhaps the 7800 release was a little washed out in the colors and didn't seem quite as vibrant. Some think the audio isn't as good, but now all of us port audio from an 86 game console through a series of Bose speakers. The audio isn't stellar, but it's just fine. Galaga's arcade controls were beautifully simple, a two-way joystick and a fire button. All the excitement came from the programmatic flights of the dreaded Galagans. 7800 release is not a perfect replica of the arcade version, and was created in 84, but sat dormant until being released until 87. If you go with expert mode, Galaga on the 7800 provides enough fast and furious action to satisfy any avid classic gamer. The game should be lodged in your console awaiting daily play. I can't say enough good things about this amazing space shooter. It's my childhood revisited. Hear, hear, 8-Bit Central. Atari Protos notes that Galaga took everything that Galaxian did right and improved on it. Most famous of the improvements was the ability for the players to be captured by the boss Galaga. That's that blue beam that we were talking about. Once captured, your ship will fight alongside the Galagans until the boss controlling it is destroyed. Once the boss is destroyed, the captured ship joins together with your current ship, allowing the player to have double the firepower with the added detriment of increased ship size. Other enhancements include enemies that take multiple hits, bonus enemies, enemies that fly in at the start of the round, and the ever-popular bonus round simply known as the challenging stage. 7800 version's graphics are very nice, but somehow everything looks less sharp than the arcade version. 7800 version also seems to have major trouble with slowdown. This may not be readily apparent at the lower levels, but once the speed increases on level 10, the slowdown becomes almost intolerable. The sound is also subpar, but this is a common problem with 7800 games that didn't utilize a built-in pokey chip on the cartridge. It's a fairly good port of the uber-popular arcade game. The version for the NES looked better and didn't have any slowdown problems, although there was some flickering. Perhaps if Galaga had undergone, undergone a little more fine-tuning, it could have been the 7800's killer app, rather than a could-have-been. Wow. You should go talk to 8-Bit Central. They totally are willing to overlook the things that you have a problem with, Atari Protos. And so am I. I've already spoiled it. I really, really, really like this game. So, with that spoilage having been spilt all over the podcast, let's get on with things. After the break, the Galligans want to take the planets back that they lost in a war. As a kid, I loaned a matchbox car to this other kid in the neighborhood, even though I didn't really like him that much. And I'm still waiting for that car back, too. So I know how the Galligans feel. Sunny was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Well, I'm Gaga for Galaga. That's for you, Namco. Feel free to use it. If you send me a bucket of money. So here we are. We're playing uh, Galaga for the 7800. And let's do that thing. It's even got cheery music to start with. I like the Starfield kind of moves. Here come the swarms of ships. They look good, my fighter looks good, the explosions look good. I'm playing on the easy setting so that I can talk to you while I'm playing. 
I'll probably still get blown away way too soon. Because, I don't know if you've noticed in this 137 episodes, I'm not actually very good at these games. But I have fun. Um, yeah, I'm shooting these uh, aliens, and the explosions look really awesome. Oop, I just got blown up. And even that looked awesome. I am happy to get blown up. Ready? Yes, I am ready. Now that you ask, that's very polite of you. If I have one complaint in this game, not in life, I have many complaints in life. If I have one complaint about this game, uh, it's probably that your fighter is stuck at the bottom of the screen. It'd be cool to do some dogfights where you kind of fly around the swarms. That would be neat. So that's probably my only complaint. I kind of feel like ending this oh man, field report early just because I don't have anything bad to say. Uh, this is like Space Invaders on, on heroin, man. See, this was the 80s, right? Heroin was big. Maybe cocaine. I don't know. Alright, yeah, one more ship. I'll play it out. Challenging stage. Man, my whole life's a challenging stage. I don't get no respect. No respect at all. A little shout out to Rodney Dangerfield there. I like these guys. They're very colorful. I almost hate to shoot them. Almost. Whoa. Those guys are diving right at me. I keep forgetting there's, you can just hold the button down and rapid fire. I seem to never remember that. Number of hits. 20. Bonus. 2,000. Sweet. Alright, well... That was fun. I could sit here and play this all day, but I got a job to do, and I just blew up again. So I guess I can't play it all day. Game over. Back to you in the studio. Hey, Atari fans. This is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Join Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review cartridge-based games for the Atari's last answer, the 8-bit gaming system, as well as delve deep into their history. Kieran will also introduce everyone to the UK's budget games. You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com. So here's the thing about Galaga for the 7800. The whining about the sound doesn't bother me. Sounds just fine for an Atari game. The color palette is fine with me. I think it looks amazing. Again, for the 7800. I got no complaints there. My only complaint that I can possibly come up with is that your ship is stuck at the bottom. I think I said that in the field report. It would be awesome if you could fly around and do some dogfighting with the with the swarms that come in. That would be cool. But you can't. And it is a tiny little, gee, I wish they could do that, but it's not a deal breaker for me. All right, so let's get on to this week's story. This week's story is titled, The Rocket Tier. Don't worry, it'll make sense in a minute. America's Space Force which was much derided at first when a certain president proposed it. But when the Galligans, or Galagans, attempted to annex the planet, the force went global and became the intergalactic warrior fleet. America's president won the Nobel Peace Prize, but declined to accept because, quote, the Norwegians are a bunch of weak-willed socialists, 
Close quote. The Galagans held off invading for a while, unsure what to make of all this, but eventually grew tired of waiting. The fleet was quickly decimated. Sometime earlier, Darby Darbman had finished her compulsory fleet service and set about fulfilling her lifelong dream of being a Radio City Rockette. Unfortunately, after an altercation with fellow Rocketeer, Felicia, over the merits of using Pentalion Drive or Impulse Drive on fleet ships, Darby was fired from the Rockettes. The battle raging among the stars was nothing compared to the battle within Darby's lost soul. And then the Galagans came. Shockingly, Earth's intergalactic warrior fleet, trained primarily by playing old Atari games, wasn't prepared for the devastating might of the Galagan fleet. Earth's force was quickly overrun, and before long, they were activating the ex-recruits to pump up their ranks. And this included Darby Darbman. The transition back to the fleet was pretty smooth, all things considered, once Darby figured out how to fold down the Rockette's headdress so that she could fit into the cockpit of the Starfighter. It's a really tall, feathery thing, you know. Still, after a few years of open and closed bevel stances, not all the intricacies of piling a starship came back to mind right away. When a Galagan blast took out the port stabilizer, leaving the ship swaying like a dancer's leg in a kickball change, it could have been curtains for Darby. But when a Galagan boarding party came aboard, Darby had to think fast to avoid capture. So she just did what came natural. She played to a new audience. There were no other Rotettes obviously there to join her, so a chorus line was not really the thing here. Instead, as the Galagans closed in, Darby smiled in what she hoped was a non-threatening manner, then she slid into a soft shoe number. You say Galaga, and I say Galaga. You say Galaga, and I say Galaxian. Galaga, 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 Galaxian. Let's call the whole attack off. You like Galaga legions, I like Gaplus. You like destroying, I like living. Galaga, Galapus. Destroying, living. Let's call the whole attack off. But oh, if we call the whole attack off, then we must part. And oh, if we ever part then I think we'd be okay with that. Darby finished off the little number with some eye-high kicks, which ordinarily are kind of cool, but there was no music, so it just looked kind of weird. The Galaga fleet stared, maws agape, not sure what they'd just seen the human do. And, well, those Galagans, they didn't know what to do either. So, they asked for tickets to the Rockettes Summer Spectacular, and then they went ahead and invaded the Earth anyway. Among other things... As a benefit of this invasion, they got an upgrade to the front row and first dibs on the souvenir refillable cola cups before supplies ran out. It's good to be a galactic superpower. And that's our show. Thanks to Kevin McLeod and CompTech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Pinball Spring, and Take a Chance. Thanks to Mad Mike, sorry, thanks to Mike Man, way too many mics on this show. Thanks to Mike Man for his Mad Mike Hughes theme. Show notes are available at ataribytes.libsyn.com. You can email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Especially you, Mr. Orsi, and everybody at Shadow Machine, and all you guys making that Galaga TV show. Um, but even if you're not involved with the production of that show, please email me your thoughts about this game, about this show, about stories, anything you like. You can like the show on our Facebook page. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at Atari Bytes, A-T-A-R-I-B-Y-T-E-S, or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. And of course, I occasionally post weirdness on the Atari Bytes Instagram page. 
Listen to Atari Bytes wherever fine podcasts are sold, distributed, or foisted upon you like so many flyers from politicians in an election year. But remember to head at some point over to the galaxy called Apple Podcasts and capture a review in your blue beam of reviewness or something. You know what? Just leave a review on Apple Podcasts. The algorithm gets all jittery with glee when you do that, and it bugs other people to come listen to this show, and that makes all of us happy. Also, you can support the show financially, if you're able, and I hope you will consider doing so, uh, on our Patreon page, the Atari Bytes Patreon page, or by picking up Atari Bytes merchandise at the forever closing but never actually closed story, uh, store on Zazzle.com. If you have time, go check out my other show. It's a podcast, Charlie Brown. That's the name of it. New episodes drop on the 15th of every month. And there, once a month, you can get your fill of anything you ever wanted from the Peanuts Gang. We talked about the strips, we talked about the characters, the merchandise, the TV shows, the very mind of Charles Schultz himself. If there's any aspect of the Peanuts universe that you enjoy or remember fondly from your childhood, go check out that show. Next time on Atari Bytes. You know what? We had so much fun playing an Atari 7800 game this week. We're going to do it again. What? That's right, friends. We're going to play another 7800 game, which I think is called crack because the title on the cartridge is C-R-A-C-K apostrophe E-D. So it's not cracked. It's crack I don't know why the hell that is, but I guess we're going to find out next week. So next week for the 7800 crack So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.